You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Genesis chapter 2, and um, this is Pentecost Sunday, Pentecost Sunday today, and um, the word Pentecost comes from uh, a, a Hebrew word in the Old Testament, which was a festival, so Pentecost festival, Pentecost was a, a feast, and so what happens is, is, is just simply means 50, the number 50. And it's 50 days after the Passover. And so we are, uh, this Sunday is the closest Sunday to the 50 days after uh, Easter, the Passover. And so this is Pentecost Sunday. And we're glad to be in the house of the Lord on Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for Pentecost. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning on it's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. Amen. Genesis chapter 2. And verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became, notice now, a living soul, a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for the food, the tree of life. The tree of life. Also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Bible talks about two particular trees here. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to talk to you about it's good to be alive this morning. Aren't you thankful that you're in the house of the Lord and you have the opportunity to come into his presence this morning and to worship him and to praise him? And when I'm talking about it's good to be alive, it's more than just breathing. When I'm going to talk to you this morning, it's more than just having life in your body. I'm talking about it's good to be alive spiritually. It's good to be alive in your spirit. Amen. I'm not interested in just being alive physically. That's good. Thankful for it. But I want to be alive spiritually. I want to come into the presence of God and be able to make a statement this morning that it's good to be alive. You'll notice in this passage that God breathed into man and he became a living soul. Placed him in a garden. The Bible talks about two trees in particular. A tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 2 and 16 says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden... Thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now you'll notice uh, uh, in this passage, the Lord talks again. He's talking about the trees that are in the garden. You, You can eat of the tree of life. That's okay. But you cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, the day that you eat of that, you will surely die. He wasn't speaking of a natural death. When Adam and Eve uh, 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 ate of the tree, 
of knowledge of good and evil, they did not die physically. They did not die physically. But the Bible says that they would shortly die. So something happened, and something happened in the spirit realm. Genesis chapter 3, 22, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now let us put forth his hand and take also of the, uh, uh, lest he take forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and, and he placed at the, at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. This whole process is uh, you did what you were not supposed to do, Adam and Eve. Now I have to put you out of the garden. And I got to put you out of the garden because I got to keep you from the tree of life. You've eaten of the tree that you weren't supposed to. Now you're not allowed to eat of the tree you were allowed. And so this whole story in Genesis 2 and 3 Adam and Eve were free to eat of the tree of life before they sinned. But sin, which is simply disobedience to God, always blocks our connection to God's life. And as soon as sin entered into their life, then the block happened of the tree of life. No longer could they then eat freely of what they were allowed before sin. They chose knowledge over life. And the human race has been doing that ever since. It's interesting. We're so smart, but yet we're so... I'll let you guess because I got in trouble by a little kid once about saying that. What happens is Adam and Eve made a decision. We're going to choose knowledge over life. This tree contained in its fruit a, a particular kind of knowledge. The knowledge of good and evil. See, this is what humanity basically wants to, wants to do, to try to experience uh, or even to be appearing to know. They want to know. We're all like that. And then decide on our own whether it's good or bad. We want to make the decision. You know what? I'll decide for myself. I'll get the knowledge of whether it's good or bad, and I'll make my own decision. But God's truth has always been, and it will always remain. And, since, uh, and so what happened is they, they wanted to decide on their own, but, but by the, the time they tried to figure it out, uh, they had already bound, been been bound by sin and were expelled from the garden not to eat of the tree of life. See, if we're not careful, we can approach serving God religiously or relationshiply. Religion is knowledge. Relationship with God is life. I'm not interested in just having a knowledge this morning. I want to hear that it's good to be alive. 
I want to have life this morning. And life won't be, that won't be given to me by a basic denomination or some title on the door or, or what I call myself. I don't get life that way. I get life because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I want more than just a knowledge. I want an experience with him. I want something to happen in my, my life that is relationship-wise. Yeah. Hmm. That's why the Old Testament part of the Bible can be depressing sometimes. Mankind spends basically 4,000 years trying to know God by choosing between good and evil. But the problem is that man is just a soul, a mind, our mind. Just a soul in the Old Testament. And in the Garden of Eden, he is no longer... A living soul. He's dead inside. And he's trying to negotiate living without real life. And so you see basically 4,000 years of Old Testament where they come to God and they go away from God and they chase after God and they fall back from God and they follow God and they no longer listen to God. It's a total negotiation of trying to live without life. But in the Old Testament, we see God's Spirit leading man, talking to man, moving on man, blessing man. But when we turn to the New Testament, there's a dramatic shift that happens in God's relationship with us. He's not interested in us just having a knowledge. He's interested in us having a relationship. And he's always been and has always had a plan. I'm going to get people back to what it was before sin. Yeah, John 16 and 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient to you that I go away. For if I go away, the comforter, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He had a plan. The plan is I've got to die. If I don't die, you won't receive life. But if I die and go away, I'm going to send back life. <laughs> yeah. John 14 and 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I, Jesus said, will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world, world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, and ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. The whole process of what God's been trying to do is to get everyone to understand it's good to be alive. See, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive God's life. We can know about God, but that's not what we need. They knew about God in the Old Testament, but it ended in failure. We need life. 
And so if we have this possibility of becoming, again, a living soul, then it will be more than just us being alive. We will have life and life more abundantly. So what happened in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 2, he breathed into them and they became a living soul. That living soul was blocked by sin. Where in God's word did the living soul ever get breathed back into man? It happened on that powerful day of Pentecost. Jesus speaks and he acts prophetically before it happens. This, he's setting them up. He's telling them it's going to take place. This is something that's coming. You can see it in John chapter 20 and verse 22. And when he had said this, Jesus speaking, he breathed unto them. Why would the scripture need to state? <sighs> Necessary to put that in scripture? You would think, that's extra information, John. Seriously? <laughs> no, it's prophetically of what happened in Genesis 2. He breathed into them in Genesis 2. He breathed on them in John chapter 20. And he said this, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I mean, he's given them a prophetic of what's going to take place. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But they haven't yet received the Holy Ghost because he tells them to tarry. He's prophetically telling them there's coming another day when you're going to become a living soul. And it's going to be good to be alive again. He tells them to tarry in Luke chapter 24 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses, he said, of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. This living soul opportunity again. That's when the day of Pentecost happened, folks. It was celebrated in the Old Testament as a religious uh, observance and for hundreds of years, but finally was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Hundreds and hundreds of years they're practicing every year about this festival. They're celebrating 50 days after the Passover every year, every year. Then along comes Jesus, and he says, I want you to be alive again. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the same spirit that was poured out into people's lives way back in Genesis 2, when sin was not there. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to tarry until you are endued with power from on high. And that's when we have Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That's not Pentecost meaning this church. 
That's the festival. That's when it was fulfilled. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Something was being breathed from heaven itself. Mm. Something was happening that moment. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Not moved on. Not touched. Hallelujah. Not breathed on any longer. But breathed into by the power of his spirit and they began to speak with other tongues uh, as the spirit gave uh, them utterance that's what happened uh, for them to experience uh, it was alive uh, and well uh, a living soul it's good to be alive I'm thankful this morning if you came in here and you're breathing I'm thankful. The choices are limited. But if you are this morning breathing, we are thankful. But when you walk out of here, it matters to be more than that you're just breathing. But that you have become a living soul. That he breathes into you the power of his spirit. And you become a living soul. This whole thing took place in Acts 2. Peter preaches this. and He preaches and they, they're pricked in their spirit. And they, what do we have to do, Peter, to experience what you're talking about? Then Peter said unto them, repent. We've been talking about that for weeks now. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins, cleanse your life, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen, the day of Pentecost is still open. Remission of sins is still available. To everyone that's baptized in his name, they're still washed away. The power from God to live a new life is still available. And everyone gets to be filled if they desire with the power of his spirit. Oh, it's good to be alive. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says this in chapter 15. So it is written, the first man, Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Adam, you had the opportunity to become a living soul, and you messed it up. But there's been a second Adam that's come without sin, who's greater than the first. And he is the quickening spirit. He's come to give life, and to give it more abundantly. He's a quickening spirit. Romans 8 and 11, Paul said, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken 
your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Do you know what that's telling me? That's telling me that if I'm just alive this morning and breathing, that's a start. But if I will allow the Spirit of God that quickened him from the dead to dwell in me, mm, something powerful happens in my spirit that I'm not just breathing. No, no, I become a living soul. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me, can live inside of you this morning. It will quicken your life. You'll be more than just alive on Sunday or Monday or next week or next month. No, no. Something will happen in your spirit that you will never be the same again. A quickening inside of you. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I don't get afraid of talking about it, ashamed of talking about it. I get excited about talking about a spirit because that is what has given me life. See, the Old Testament prophets, they were longing for the Holy Ghost, but they never saw it. Joel chapter 2, 28 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Joel desired to see. And Peter in Acts chapter 2.16 says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is what Joel Wanted to see, but he didn't get to see. What you're seeing, he said to the people in Acts 2, is what Joel wanted to see. This is that. Isaiah 28, he's prophesying about it as well in verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue will uh, he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Paul said, this is that. 1 Corinthians 14 and 21, in the law, he says, it is written, when men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Paul said, this is that. What has happened since the book of Acts is that. Peter said, this is that. Paul says, what was prophesied has now happened. This speaking in tongues is that. Pouring out of God's spirit. Listen, I, when, when, I, when I start talking about the Holy Ghost, something rises inside of my spirit, and I know exactly what it is. I thank God for the power of his presence. See, when the New Testament church began on the day of Pentecost, the disciples spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, Acts chapter 2. Simon the sorcerer, he, he observed in the evidence with the Samaritans when they received the baptism of the Spirit on the laying on of hands. You can see that in Acts 8. Cornelius' household, who were Gentiles, spoke with other tongues when they received the Holy Ghost in Acts 10. Paul had the same experience when he spoke with tongues. He said more than they all in the Corinthians. 
Corinthian church, believers who had only experienced John's baptism were rebaptized with the Spirit in Acts 19. You don't receive the Spirit through your head. You receive the Spirit through your heart. You've got to be hungry for it to receive it. This is what this is the description that John gives of it. Oh, I thank God for the Spirit. I thank God for Pentecost. I thank that I thank God that the day of Pentecost was fully come. John chapter 7 and 37, he's he's talking about what it's going to be like. He said, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Not out of his head, (laughs) out of his belly. He said this, but this spake he of the Spirit, that they that which believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John's saying, this is what's going to happen. Out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water, not just life. The belly bypasses the brain. As soon as you try to figure out God, you won't be able to figure him out. If you can figure him out, it's probably not him. It bypasses my brain and goes right straight to my heart. Out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. There's an excitement. There's a joy. Hallelujah. There's something that happened in my spirit when God filled me with his spirit. That out of my belly flows rivers of living water. Everybody in here this morning has the same opportunity to have an artesian well. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost in your life. You don't have to turn on the tap. It's flowing. I mean, there's no clogs. There doesn't have to be any soot going. No, no, no. It's flowing clear, crystal clear. When the power of his spirit is flowing in your life, you'll see it through the fruit in your life. No fruit, probably little spirit. Lots of spirit, there will be lots of fruit. Because good fruit grows on good trees. You don't get thistles from grape trees. You don't get thorns from some awesome fruit tree. No, no, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the power of his spirit in my life. This is a study. Music come, if you would. This is a study that was done by researchers at the University of Pennsylvania They found that there may be a neurological parallel between what worshipers experience when they speak in tongues and what actually transpires physiologically in the brain. Scientists took brain images from worshipers as they were speaking in other tongues and as they were singing. And comparing the two images, the researchers discovered that the frontal lobes, the willful thinking part of the brain, were quiet. 
as were the language centers. They were, they were praying in the spirit and worshiping, but everything was quiet in the brain. Scans of people practicing meditation or participating in other spiritual practices differed sharply. Radiology investigators observed increased or decreased brain activity by measured, uh, measuring regional cerebral blood flow with, with SPECT, it's called, S-P-E-C-T, single photon emission computed tomography. I have no idea what that all is. While the subjects were speaking in tongues, they videoed or they were able to test or to watch what was happening. And they were amazed at it wasn't something that was learned. You can see their study. This is what their study is titled. The measurement of regional cerebral blood flow during glossololia. A preliminary spec study. Co-authors are Nancy Wintering, Donna Morgan, and Mark Waltman. They tried to figure it out. And they where were they were given this phenomena we can't figure this out naturally medically psychologically we can't seem to grasp what's happening here when someone's life that is alive becomes a living soul oh they didn't describe it that way those terms were not used but that's what was happening when they saw that someone's heart had bypassed their brain and the power of his spirit was flowing from their life and worship was being given to God, there was something spectacular that was happening in those moments. See, speaking in tongues is non-cognitive, non-rational communication with God. It's not anti-rational. But it is an immediate contact with God that does not include human words, nor can it be expressed in human words. This experience results in added faith in God and increased power for the gift of God. God's love and His compassion and His grace and His mercy is aware of someone that desires relationship over religion. Living soul over just being alive. That's why true repentance is so important and we've been talking about it for multiple weeks. It empties you of you so His Spirit can come and fill you up. I'm so thankful to be alive oh I'm thankful for the life that I have but I'm thankful this morning that I am a living soul you can be thankful this morning of the life that you possess but nothing will compare to you being a living soul it's good to be alive Paul writes to the first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. The church of Thessalonica, he says, quench not the spirit. Other translations puts it this way. 
Do not hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't suppress the Spirit. Don't restrain the Spirit. Don't stifle the Spirit. I say to you this morning, don't allow your life to be without it. Is it that important, Pastor? You'll never realize how great it is until you receive. And then you won't want to live without. Oh, I'm so thankful for the power of His Spirit. And this is what happened in Acts chapter 4 in closing. And when they had prayed in verse 31, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the Word of God with boldness. A church that has people full of His Spirit can expect the unexpected, can anticipate the miraculous, is ready for anything to happen. A church that has people full of His Spirit are full of joy and life and excitement about living for God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Oh, man, do I have to go to church again this morning? No. No, no, it's the opposite of that. I'm a living soul. I get to come to church. I get to worship Him. I get to praise Him. It's the life that's inside of me. It's not because, uh, hallelujah, uh, uh, that I had to or someone forced me to. No, it's life inside of me that I am privileged to come into His presence because in His presence, there is fullness of joy. And at His right hand, place of power, there are pleasures forevermore. It's good to be alive. It's good to be alive. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.